Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today is a solo podcast. This is the first time in the new studio that I am by myself. I'm doing the damn thing solo. No Travis here. Travis had knee surgery last week, um, and he is recovering super well. He is absolutely crushing it. Um, this is, uh, he's, not, he's not new to this. <laughs> this is his second knee surgery, uh, which makes us like Eskimo brothers of surgery, I guess. I don't know if that's appropriate or applicable here, but <laughs> he, uh, the, this, is, uh, this is his second time. I've had two knee surgeries as well, um, and, uh, and I'm excited to help him get through this. We are, he's going to be going through our coaching systems to make sure that he does this the right way, which I'm pumped about. He, uh, he, he, he took action on that too, so he is joining the Taylor Transformation, literally. Um, it, it's funny too because I'm actually helping. I posted on my story today. I'm helping a client right now. She just got done uh, with surgery on her ACL, and she's kind of working through some of the rehab and implemented me into the mix with her PT to work on strength training and recomp. Um, but she is also a uh, the world champion water ski jumper, so she is a savage, and she's getting her PhD in criminal justice. She is an overachiever, amazing person, amazing athlete. But a lot of knee surgeries over on the tailored side. Um, but anyway, we have a solo show today. We are going to be doing a uh, Q&A. I'm going to be diving into uh, a few different questions that I actually don't know what they are yet because when Travis is here, I am less prepared. So be ready for this to be very off the cuff. But before I get into that, I do want to uh, just bring up this whole Taylor transformation thing because I'm in the middle of it and I want to update people as I go through my cut. We are going to be uh, putting a YouTube video out. I believe this week. So as you're listening to this, it'll probably air like Friday or something like we're just going to get it out as soon as we can um, amongst the others. So we, we aired one last week on the tour, the grand tour of the new facility. We have been uploading a YouTube short every single day, literally for the last full week. Um, uh, by the time you're listening to this, probably a couple weeks. So, um, we're cranking those out. So if you haven't go over there, youtube.com slash Cody McBroom one, the number one, don't ask me why. I don't know why I have to have that there. There's no other YouTuber named Cody McBroom, but for some reason we got that. So go check it out. Subscribe to the channel. We're putting out a lot there, but um, quick update. So I am in week two of my cut and uh, I want to share this not because you give a shit about my results necessarily. If you do, thank you. But if not, I know you do care about your own results. And that means if I can tell you what I'm doing and it is applicable or it helps you kind of gather your thoughts or get some insights or answer some questions that go on in your head so that you can move forward and you can do better with your cut, um, that's my goal. That's why I want to share this kind of stuff. So that's why I create content. That's why I share what I'm doing constantly. That's why I share my, my experiences with training and nutrition and coaching and entrepreneurship and fatherhood and, and marriage and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but with that being said, I am on week two. I decided to extend the primer phase. So typically we go through a primer phase, uh, and, and I, and I discussed this in the YouTube video we shot. And usually for somebody like myself, this is like one week and it's one week just to get consistent, right? You go through a primer phase before you dive into a deficit because, the purpose behind a primer phase is not necessarily to prime your metabolism or do anything kind of crazy, hocus pocus, metabolic mastery. What it really is, uh, is essentially a week or two in order to develop consistency and potentially squeeze out uh, more uh, uh, calories burned, so a higher caloric expenditure through other avenues that you may not be taking advantage of when you're not dialed in. So coming into this, I was loosely tracking. I was loosely tracking my steps and my macros. I was loosely measuring. I was letting snacks here and there. I was drinking a little bit more than normal, um, which isn't crazy for me. That's like two times a week instead of one. 
but nonetheless, like calories were sneaking in and I wasn't paying attention to my sleep as much. I wasn't paying attention to my steps as much. I wasn't um, doing some of the things. I wasn't even dialed in with my training because of all the moving and the new building and, and just tons of work to get done. Um, I was training three days a week, maybe some, some weeks just like literally like short sessions. Um, uh, my training would be like cutting mats in the new gym and shit. So last week was the first week of dialing that back in. So I, I spent the whole week really just determining what I think my maintenance is. Right. And then sticking to that all week, planning ahead, prepping food, seeing kind of what my, my preferences are right now, kind of monitoring my hunger levels, uh, tracking my sleep, tracking my macros, measuring my food more closely, um, making sure that I actually get to my step count, uh, which I just set at a baseline of 10 K very generic, but, um, a good amount for somebody like me who works a desk job, um, and, and primarily only gets up to move if I'm walking around on the phone. Um, but nonetheless, like this was a week for me to just dial that in. Now, typically if I get to the end of the week or any client, I get I have gets to the end of the week of a primer phase and the goal is fat loss, just like my goal, right? I'm, I'm predicting, you know, 12 weeks of good of cutting and dieting to get into summer, which by the way, as you're listening to this, it is a hundred days away. Cause I believe this is going to be airing on Wednesday, the 23rd. And if that's the case, June 1st is 100 days away, hundred days, which is like just over three months. I think depending on the months that we have ahead of us, I guess it kind of depends on how many weeks are in the months. I'm not at a, with a calendar in front of me, but Nonetheless, that's not that much time, you know? So if you want to get to your body, if you want to get lean, if you want to lose some fat, if you want to stop fucking around stop being lazy and stop saying, I'm going to do it next time, or I'm going to push this into next week, or I'll start Monday or anything, any of the excuses you make. And this is not me. I mean, it is me calling you out, but it's not me doing it in a negative way. It's me doing it in a real empathetic way. I do this too. I do this with many things in my life. I've done this with shit more than anything. I did this with my marriage and fatherhood for multiple years where I was constantly saying like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get this soon, or I'm going to try a little bit harder soon, or I'm going to be more present soon. And finally I just said, how long am I going to say that for? And I just took action. And the funny thing about getting consistent is that once you just take ownership and responsibility of your results, be them good or bad, where you're at or where you not, or, or not where you want to be at essentially, like where you want to be at or, or not right, wherever you're at right now, just taking responsibility and ownership of that the thing about taking action and ownership over that is that it just kind of snowballs. Like once you take action, once it becomes easier and easier to do over time and you become more consistent because you are seeing the benefit and the results of the action you're taking and it feels fucking good. So me trying harder as a present father, me trying harder to be creative about having fun, me trying harder to put my phone away, me trying harder to do all these things for my daughter and for my wife just become easier because I see the positive repercussion that comes on the other side of it. So when you start walking more, when you start dieting, when you start training, when you start progressive overloading, when you start monitoring your sleep and tracking things because what gets measured gets managed, you begin to realize how beneficial it really is. And the results speak for themselves. And those results are your motivation because you take action, you feel the results, you see the results, you can clearly determine the results that are happening and those are contagious that feeling you feel when you are getting results is amazing so guess what happens you're more motivated to take action again and when you take action again you are consistently taking action when you consistently take action you fucking win and you get results now if you could do that for the next 100 days god damn where would you be at june 1st where would you be at this summer what would your body look like this summer i'm fired up about it because my whole team is doing this together we're all pushing together and we have clients doing it too. And we have people coming on board that were waiting and waiting and waiting, doing exactly what I was just talking about. 
and what I'm encouraging you not do. And they finally said, you know what? Fuck it. What you said in that email newsletter, what you said on Instagram or what you said on this podcast made me take action. I got on a call. They signed up. Now they're with us and now they're moving forward and they're already progressing towards their goal because they're trying harder because they deserve it and you do too. And I didn't even plan to go on this little rant, but I'm glad I did because it keeps me on point. It keeps me fired up. And I think there's so many people who just need a wake-up call. They need their eyes open to what they could be in the body they could live in and the life they could have if they just took ownership and responsibility of the results they have. Again, good or bad. And they started doing something about it. And so with that being said, <laughs> back to the primer week, for me... When I have a client or myself going through this primary week like I am, we get to the end of the week and we got to look at everything and go, okay, now that we are quote unquote at maintenance and we're not technically trying to lose fat yet, are we progressing in that realm too? So by stepping more, by training in the gym consistently, by tracking our macros and being more accurate with our measurements, by doing all the shit we need to do and monitoring our sleep and sleeping better and stressing less and just being focused, right? And dialing in and cleaning up our diet and eating more voluminous foods, all these things. When we do that, even though we're not in a quote-unquote deficit, are we losing fat? Are we getting leaner? Are we feeling better? Are we progressing in the right way? And if the answer is yes to any of those, why would you change it? Keep it there. Because one of two things are happening. Either A, you, you were at maintenance technically, but now you're stepping into a deficit technically because you're burning calories in other ways by doing all these things. Or you underestimated maintenance. Um, or... You just are kind of losing some water weight. Maybe you're retaining water and fluids from stress or joint inflammation, anything like that. And when you clean all these things up, you get consistent. Those things kind of go away. And maybe you're not burning fat, so to speak, but you're reducing inflammation. You're reducing water retention and you look better. You feel better. And no matter what, you, if you're doing this for a week, if you're doing this for two to three weeks, if you're doing this and you start losing fat and you milk it and you do it for two months because you're, you're getting leaner, no matter what, what is really happening in this whole entire process is that you are getting more consistent. You are getting more dialed in. You are creating this, this essentially baseline to start from so that when you do go into a deficit and you do start progressing faster or pushing things and adjusting the diet and the training and all this stuff, it works 10 times better because you've already built the layer of consistency and you've already built a routine around what you're doing. And you can adjust that routine and you can adjust from a consistent place far better than you can from a place of no routine and no consistency. So... That's where I'm at. And I got to the end of the week and I was like, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm not sleeping better. <laughs> That's one thing I'm still trying to work on. I'm, I have not been sleeping good. Um, there's just so much going on and my mind won't stop. Um, but what I did notice is that I did get a little bit leaner. The scale actually dropped about a pound. Um, is that water retention? Is that, I don't know. But unless I milk it and I be patient and I go another week, I won't know. Um, but I did step more. I, I got some really good training sessions in the gym. I'm feeling better than I felt. I've, I've dialed in my diet. I'm hitting my macros. I'm not in a rush. I got 100 days till summer, which is plenty of time for me to lose the amount of weight I want to lose, which is probably like in between that 5 to 10 pound range. I just want to get pretty pretty damn lean, take my shirt off the summer and feel confident about it. Um and I'm not doing a photo shoot or anything like that, but I want to get pretty damn lean and I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. So it's like, why change it? Right. So I'm going to spend another week here. Um, I, I do plan on going in a deficit no matter what next week, because my first diet break is, is going to be the week after, which normally I wouldn't recommend, but we're surprised my daughter with Disneyland. Um, we we've had this plan for a long time. Her birthday's coming up. So we're going to be in Disneyland for a few days. Um, and I can't expect to, to track and be on point, but I'm going to be moving quite a bit. Right. So 
Um, nonetheless, that's where I'm at. Uh, if any of that applied to you, uh, great. If it didn't, I'm sorry that I just spent 10 minutes talking about dieting and, and getting motivated for summer. But like I said, summer is right around the corner and I am fucking excited. So if you want to join us, if you want to get on board, if you want to start cutting, if you want to spend the next 100 days getting the best shape of your life, hit the link on our website, go to tailoredcoachingmethod.com. It's a big yellow button, or just click the link in the description of this podcast. Go there, apply. You'll get a free call. When you get on the call, we will talk you through the entire process. If we're a good fit for you, you're a good fit for us. We'll bring you on our roster and we will get you to where you want to be in the next hundred days that I can guarantee. So, um, all right, I'm going to take a swig of Rockstar, and we're going to jump into these questions. So first one is from Carissa. And I believe because it's spoken a little bit differently than normal. Carissa said, how many weeks would you suggest to lose about five pounds of body fat after a building phase? Should I reduce my calories significantly in the beginning or reduce them slowly? Thank you. I love the podcast. Thank you. I love that you listen to the podcast. I appreciate it. So, uh, Carissa, I would uh, suggest, you know, there's a general range of like 12 to 16 weeks, but really it, it actually depends on your starting weight. So, for example, I could easily say, well, technically it would only take five weeks to lose about five pounds because it's not too hard for most people to lose a pound a week, um, especially if you create a significant deficit, right? But if you barely, like, so if you're on the last five pounds, I would say like 10 weeks because a half a pound might be a lot. So for example, if you are 150 pounds just for easy math and we did 1% of your total body weight per week, that's going to be 1.5 pounds, right? So 1.5 pounds is the higher end of what you could lose per week. Um, now, 0.5 is the lower end. So it's 0.5 to 1% of total body weight loss per week is the ideal range. 0.5 for you is going to be about uh, uh, 0.75. So that would take longer than five weeks. So this is why I think that five to 10 week mark is a good mark. And it, and, and, you know, it depends on how aggressive you're going to go from the start. And that's what I'll kind of get into next. Now, I can use myself as an example. So I'm uh, starting this cut. I'm 172 pounds. So that's going to be 1.72 pounds at the most. And that is going to be, um, what is that? I have to actually bust out the calculator for this one. Uh, 0.86 pounds. So I'm going for 0.86 pounds. I'm going for about one pound per week at the beginning. And that's going to slowly lower. And the reason I'm doing that is because I would rather spend the next 12 to 16 weeks cutting for summer, taking some diet breaks along the way and, and maintaining as much muscle as possible. Um, because that's the most important thing to me. I would rather take my time and maintain muscle. So typically the longer you take, the more muscle you are potentially able to maintain, unless the reason you were taking long is because you're inconsistent. And what I mean by that is if you are, uh, repeatedly going on binge episodes and kind of having this yo-yo cycle throughout the 12 to 16 weeks, you're not going to be more likely to maintain muscle because the problem is, is even though you might be taking a longer time, it's not because you're in less of a deficit. It's actually because you're in more aggressive of a deficit, which increases the risk of losing muscle and having poor performance and bad biofeedback. But it's taking you a long time because you're repeatedly binging and that's throwing you out of the deficit on a regular basis, causing you to kind of do this yo-yo effect and fashion. So, um, the, and, and that's kind of where it depends. Like, should you reduce your calories significantly in the beginning or reduce them slowly? Um, it depends. It, you know, if you just got out of a building phase, typically what I like to do with somebody in a building phase is I like to be semi-aggressive or go to a maintenance phase first. And the reason for that is because if you were just in a building phase, you were probably in a surplus. If you were in a surplus, I might not actually know exactly where your maintenance calories are. And your maintenance calories are exactly what I need to know in order to program your diet properly and know where to start your calories at. Well, if I don't know where that's at, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to drop you down a little bit to where I think your maintenance is, 
but it's still enough food to where you don't have any diet fatigue. So for example, if I pull your calories down, but you're still completely satiated, there's no adherence issues, anything like that, that's a good place to go. Even if it's still a little bit above your maintenance, I'd rather err on the side of, of too much than too little if I'm trying to find your maintenance after a building phase. And the reason is because diet fatigue isn't only uh, exclusive to being in a deficit. Because if you are practicing things that cause diet fatigue, like for example, overly prepping and planning your meals, you're tracking your macros, you're weighing every day, like all the stuff that we do during a diet, um, some of which causes diet fatigue for some people, some of which doesn't. Like for example, if I weigh in every single day, it causes zero mental fatigue for me. I, it just, it's mindless to me. It doesn't matter. But if I'm being overly meticulous with my diet, if I'm, if I'm overly meticulous with my step count and I'm not practicing ranges, for example, like if I'm really focused on exactly 300 grams of carbs versus staying in that like 275 to 325 range, which is a big range, but at maintenance, things swing, I'm going to be more diet fatigued, right? So it kind of depends on how diet fatigued you were. But the reason I would go to that higher end of maintenance first is to avoid, is to find maintenance before the diet while still avoiding diet fatigue because we don't want that. But if I'm worried about having some diet fatigue, because let's say it takes two weeks for me to find maintenance. Well, that's still two extra weeks. I'm tacking on mental fatigue from dieting on the person before I even jump into a diet. So for that individual, if I'm worried about that, I might be more aggressive from the beginning. And that's because I don't want to undermine what it takes to, to lose fat. I'm going to, to be like, okay, I think we'd be in a deficit if we pulled 15% of calories right now. If that's the case, I'm going to pull 20 to 25% because I want to make damn sure we're in a deficit and I want to just get the job done. You know, so um, I do lean on that a little bit more often now. And, and as I've practiced this more and more, and actually even since some research has actually come out on this, I do find that it's actually helpful to be a little more aggressive in the beginning because there's a lot of research on internal motivation and uh, the fact that when we have early wins and we have these like early drops on the scale and we have more rapid weight loss or rapid success in the mirror, we are far more likely to have a higher level, a greater level of buy-in to the actual diet itself and our adherence is going to go up and the total results we're going to see is going to go up. And so in some of this research, they've even done it like that has been shown in many different things that we're trying to accomplish in life. If we have early success, we are going to be more internally motivated and we're going to have a greater amount of buy-in, which is actually going to carry us a lot further. Um, and then on the other aspect is physiologically speaking, we also have far less diet fatigue up front. So if we step into this diet with zero diet fatigue because we've been at maintenance or in a building phase, why the hell would we not get semi-aggressive in the beginning to make sure that we are getting the job done when we're fresh and motivated versus babying into it? Because if we go into a really small deficit and we don't lose any weight, we're fatiguing ourselves mentally and we're not accomplishing anything, right? So let's just not cause fatigue. Let's dive right in and get after it and then pull back later, which has actually been shown in research. They took two groups and one group did it slow and steady over the course of a long period of time. And this is a, a good amount of weight loss. It was like a year long process. And then they took other, somebody else where they got really aggressive, lost like half, if not more, of the weight up front, like really rapidly. And then they actually reversed out and, and pulled back with diet breaks and then like eased off and, and lost the rest slowly. Um, and maybe it wasn't a year. Maybe it was a year-long follow-up. I think that's what it was. But nonetheless, like the group that did rapid, aggressive dieting in the beginning to lose weight faster up front and then eased off the gas and did it slow to finish off, lost more weight and kept it off. So like I think... Based on research and my experience, that's probably just the best way to go. It is most likely to reduce your calories a little bit more significantly to ensure you're for sure in a deficit, and then you'll increase your motivation internally and your buy-in to the diet itself, and you're probably going to have more success long-term, as long as you don't stay in that aggressive state for too long. 
Because we can't go, okay, it's a 16-week diet. One diet is 16 weeks and a 30% deficit, and one is 16 weeks and a 10% deficit. Who's going to do better? Well, I can tell you that at first, the 30% deficit, but about halfway, they're going to burn out and, and binge and quit, and the other group won't, so the other group will do better. You know, um, It's not just a math equation, so it's, it's about humans. So um, you know, when we're coaching people, we're also assessing their personality type. We're assessing their, their lifestyle. We're assessing their um, what we believe you know we assess their uh lifestyle factors that would compromise their ability to be adherent because somebody could tell me they're going to be adherent but if i look at their lifestyle and their work and their family all these things and i can based on years and years and years of coach people i can say hmm. you know i don't know if that's going to be the case i'm going to err on the side of going slower or your lifestyle your job or or anything isn't conducive to that or you're an athlete and i don't want to uh, be aggressive or like the person i'm coaching right now that has just went through rehab you know in, in acl surgery She's losing fat as we rebuild muscle and recomp. But if if we just focus on the goal of leaning out because she wanted to lean out post-surgery and I put her in a deficit, she wouldn't recover as fast. She wouldn't rebuild muscle and it would be difficult when I know I can still burn fat with more calories. So so you got to really play the, the smart game about knowing the individual as well. Okay, so I hope that answered the question, uh, Krista. I obviously went in on that one because um, that was a longer one. <laughs> Catherine asked... Uh, I understand that with the goal to lose fat and gain muscle, scale weight is only one data point along with measurements and pictures. But what advice do you have for someone whose goal is to compete in a lightweight class in several competitions throughout a year for someone close to that scale weight? Um, okay, so what advice do you have for somebody whose goal is to compete in a lightweight class in several competitions throughout the year who, for someone who is close to that scale weight? Um, so kind of worded oddly at the end, but just so people know, I'm assuming what this means, I'm pretty damn sure. So if she's competing in a lightweight class, she means that um, she's basically, you're, she's already close to that scale weight. So what do I recommend for somebody who wants to stay around that weight and compete multiple times? Um, so the, you know, it's hard to say because I don't really know, you know, what my advice is, is, is anybody who wants to compete in, in bodybuilding, bikini, anything like that, I don't always recommend, I actually, I'd never recommend focusing on recomp, you know, trying to burn fat and build muscle at the same time. I don't think it's ideal. I don't, and anybody who is advanced enough to really step on stage, because um, it's not something you want to do as a beginner and anybody who's that advanced probably isn't going to be recomping very well. So, the only time I ever recommend doing multiple shows in a single year is for somebody who is um, advanced and they prepped for those shows. So it's like you spent time in the off season. Now you're going into the season ready to, to compete. Um, and so, for example, like we I've coached people that have done two or three shows back to back. I believe Ariel is doing two this week to try to get her pro card um, Ariel on our on our team, one of the coaches. And with that, it's 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 scheduling those competitions back to back. Because you cannot stay like if you're going to like if you're close to that weight and you're going to compete competitively, you can't do competitions throughout the year. You need to pick two to three stages you'll stand on. I mean, technically, you could do four or five, I guess, if they were even closer. But usually it's like people will do like two or three comps in a single year. And usually they're within the same quarter of the year. So let's say you prep and then you have three competitions over the course of two, three months. Like that's, that's really what you want to do. And it's not really like you're, you're trying to, you know, cut and then build in between and cut and build between. It's like, basically you're, you do a full prep and then you do a show and then you just try to maintain that look, if not get a little bit leaner for the next show and the next show. And usually the way you, you schedule it is you schedule the most important show, the biggest show, the show that matters the most to you at the very end. 
Because usually when people do multiple shows in a row, it's because they want to win their pro card. They want to, to compete on a level and get recognized and win a specific competition. And so when you're doing that, you set up that last competition as the one that you want to win. And the first one or two are kind of like runners up. If you win and you get a pro card from one of those, even better. But they're like test runs. You can test out your refeed and peak week strategy going into it. And then you can kind of hit the drawing board with your coach, see what you liked, what you didn't like, what worked well, how we could tweak it better. Can we get leaner? And then you go into the next one, you do it again, and then you go into the third one for the finale. And you have a lot of um, a lot of extra data and information based on the first two competitions that you can go into that last one with that matters most. Uh, but typically, that's the only way I, I recommend that. So if you're already close to that scale weight for the lightweight class, it just means your prep will be shorter and, and um, probably easier. But you still, to compete, you got to be so lean that you, you have to kind of go into it accepting um, that you are going to sacrifice some of your health and biofeedback. Uh, and that's just part of it, you know, and, and that's how, you know, if you're, if you're going to go play football, you got to expect that you might get some concussions and you might have some like low level brain damage or neurological issues. Right. And there's, you know, there's a lot of people that have had that, you know, I've even had personally, I've had hormonal issues because of a head injury that I suffered from. Now it wasn't from playing football cause I suck at football and I never played it. Um, <laughs> it wasn't from any sport cause that's, you know, that was, it wasn't what it was. Unfortunately, it was because I got jumped and I got beaten over the head and then kicked repeatedly in the head. So I had, I had, uh, you know, a concussion and, and some, some low level brain damage, but essentially that most likely what we think is that it caused issues with my hypothalamus. Um, and that's going to send the pituitary gland, the signal to produce testosterone and, um, other sex hormones, so on and so forth. So the point being is like those things happen, but granted, I didn't go into that situation, you know, going like, well, this is, this is part of, you know. This is part of it. I got to I got to be aware of this accepted. That was like completely out of nowhere. But with sports, you got to kind of know that. And bodybuilding is no different, right? You have to go into it knowing like I might lose my period. Uh, you go into it knowing, guys, I'm, I'm going to probably my testosterone is going to tank. It'll go back up. Um, you know, cortisol is going to go through the roof. Like none of these things are permanent issues. But if you stay too lean for too long, they can become more permanent or more long term, which does present a lot of issues. So um, anyway, if you're really close to that, it just means your prep's going to be shorter which is awesome, but you don't want to stay super lean. And so I recommend doing a couple shows like back to back, get it done and get out. Uh, there's no, there is no recomping through that. Um, if you're going to be competitive and, uh, my advice is to pick one, two, three at most, probably if I'm being completely honest and knock those shows out one after another. Um, usually it's like a weekend or two apart and you're doing it over the course of a couple months, you know? Um, okay. Next question. We're going to go into our last question of the podcast. Um, let's see. I'm going to, I want to pick a good one for the last one. Um, okay. This is a good one. Uh, Aurora, you are blowing up the podcast. Good job. I love it. Um, take advantage of this shit. Come on guys. We got a Q and a box in this description for a reason. It also lives on my profile and the tailored coaching method profile. So um, if you want to ask a question, you can click the link in my bio on Instagram. You can click the link on the tailored coaching method. So at tailored coaching method, Instagram bio. And you can also click uh, the link in the description of this podcast. If you're on Spotify, you can even click the green button that lets you ask a question. So um, Aurora, you are taking advantage of it fully. I love it. Um, I feel like every time I come into the, the studio every week, there's at least one question in this long list from you. Um, and they're good questions too. Uh this is just a good one to end on because I'm going to wrap it up here at the around the 30 minute mark. And she asks, who are your favorite 
quote unquote, evidence-based fitness personas. I am looking for more people to follow and engage with that have mindsets like tailored coaching. So obviously I would recommend following everybody on my team. Um, Brandon Roberts doesn't post a lot on Instagram right now because he has been so focused on the research studies he's doing, some of the certification um, textbooks he's a part of, and then obviously our continuing education for our staff. Uh, but he has a great, uh, a great Instagram. I'm going to be podcasting with him in a few hours, actually, as I'm recording this. Um, Ariel, Hallie, Brian, Trevor, Brandon, Ashley, Rose, myself, like we all put out a lot of content, Nick, um, all those, uh, all the Instagrams go over to at taylorcoachmed.com, follow all of them because they are amazing. Um, as far as people, I, who are my favorite quote unquote, um, you know, like to be honest with you, I don't follow, I, I haven't followed any new people in the fitness community, like the evidence-based fitness personas in a, in a long time. Um, and it's not because, you know, I, I don't want to, or I don't enjoy their content or I don't like what they're doing, but it's just because where my company is at, I follow a lot of people who are running companies the size of mine. I follow people who are great marketers that are also very authentic and transparent and they don't rely on ads or salesy gimmicky shit. I follow a lot of people who are um, more into philanthropy and philosophy of life and of coaching and of parenting and stuff like that. Some of which we're going to be getting on the podcast because I think it's, it's uh, you know, the, the whole idea of a tailored life is not just fitness and nutrition. And so we're bringing a lot of guests on coming up. Um, I actually have a couple interviews over this, the next like four weeks with some people that are going to be touching on some areas. Um, I was very excited to get a response from um, Dr. John Delany, who is, he specializes in marriage and in counseling and, and uh, parenting and stuff like that. He puts out amazing content on Instagram that's helped me as a father a ton. Um, got a good response from him. He's going to be coming in the studio in March. I have uh, Chase Tuning from Everford coming in March to the studio. Um, we're going to be talking to Dr. Randy uh, Rand McCain this week, who is going to be diving into uh, peptides and hormone replacement, things like that. We have uh, uh, Barbell Physio on Instagram coming tomorrow as I record this. So that'll be airing soon about going to talk about rehab and stuff like that. So we have a lot of really cool people coming on the show that aren't just fitness, evidence-based fitness personas per se. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, in the industry, I say grow up, feel like I'm aging myself quite a bit with that statement. Um, I grew in the industry following and listening and studying from people like Lane Norton, Eric Helms, all of 3DMJ really. Um, I, I, I grabbed on a Jeff Nipper early, early on. I actually coached with him. He was a coach of mine um, years and years ago before he became a YouTube persona, but he is a really good YouTuber from a evidence-based perspective. Um, Eric Trexler and Greg Knuckles from Stronger by Science. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, obviously I follow mass research review, Bill Campbell, Dr. Bill Campbell has been on the podcast multiple times. Him and I text, uh, on a regular basis, just kind of going back and forth about ideas and stuff. And he's somebody who's a really good evidence-based, uh, fitness person to follow. Um, shit. I mean, a lot of different people, but those are like the ones that come to mind right now. Uh, just as people, um, Steve Hall's great. Mike Isertel, um, again, people I've had on the podcast every time, you know, but I, I don't know of any like brand new fitness, evidence-based fitness personas or, or influencers or anything that are coming up in the industry. Cause I'm not like looking out for too much of that. And maybe I should be because it, it kind of shows me who's doing what, who's coming up in the industry, who is somebody to pay attention to somebody to get on the podcast. So if you're listening to this and you have ideas of, of new, uh, influences or new personas or personalities and influencers in the industry that are coming up and you want to recommend me getting them on the podcast, please do, uh, click the the button for a Q and a, and just let us know. And I'd be happy to look at what they're doing and, and get them on if I need to, you know, and if they're a good fit, but, um, 
yeah, I'm old school, I guess. Like the guys I've been following for a long time are still at the top of the evidence-based chain, I would say, but um, they've been around a while, you know. Um, I really enjoy Jackson Pios podcast or uh, content. He's been on the podcast a couple times. I've coached with him as well. Um, so yeah, just a few people. Jackson Pios, Eric Helms, Greg Knuckles, Eric Trexler, Steve Hall, Mike Isertel, um, Alan Aragon, of course, Bill Campbell, Lane Norton. They're all all very good. Jeff Nippard. Um, so yeah, those are the people that I I, I typically follow. Um, if you know any new ones, send them my way. All right, guys, that is a wrap for this Q and A. This solo episode. Once again, if, if we are a hundred days away from summer, so I'm gonna I'm gonna remind you again. If you are interested in getting to your summer body, if you are interested in finally taking charge and ownership of the results that you do or do not have right now, and making them better, making your body better, and giving yourself the results you deserve, and you want some accountability, you want some systems, you want like proven methods, science-backed methods that are proven to work and effective because they've been used on thousands of people. Please work with us. I would love to take you through our process and I would love to talk to you first to make sure you're a good fit because we only work with people who believe in what we do and believe we're a good fit and we believe we're a good fit for us. So head over to taylorcoachingmethod.com, click the yellow button or click the link in the description of this podcast. Um, if you have any questions about it, you can just fill that out and we will answer them or you can even email me, cody at taylorcoachingmethod.com. But we are onboarding people right now for the summer, which is 100 days away as you listen to this, which will fly by do not wait for the sun to poke out to start trying to get lean because by that point it is too late and you are already too close to summer and you're probably traveling, camping, barbecue and doing all the stuff that you do um, that you want to be lean for. All right, guys, I'm going to close it out one more time. TaylorCoachMinute.com slash online dash coaching or click the yellow button on the home page. We appreciate you guys listening and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.